Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves in one. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. My special guest today is Mandar Dange. He's founder of Focus 451. Focus 451 is the next generation compliance engine that keeps businesses compliant in real time. The multi-tier autopilot engine ensures proactive enforcement of legally required documents and credentials 24-7, eliminates audits, and eliminates legal exposures. Mandar is a successful multi-unit franchisee with over a dozen years of hands-on experience with various retail franchises. In addition, he's got 25 plus years in technology and business development. Previously, he worked at large corporations, including Hewlett-Packard, Sun Microsystems, as business development executive. He's a serial entrepreneur, U.S. patent holder, which I'd love to know what the patent's on. That'd be awesome. He loves to fix things. He's a handyman, and he's a pilot. His favorite quote comes from Apollo 13, failure is not an option. He's married with two children and lives in San Francisco. With all that said, welcome, Mandar. Thank you, Rich. Pleasure to be here. I'm so excited about you being here, and we got a chance to talk a little bit about the program ahead of time. I think you know, what you had to say is key to our listeners, uh, so please tune in and listen closely to what Mandar has to share. But with that said, let's start. And really what we want to know, first of all, is tell us your story. What helped, What caused you to go into business? Uh, what was the decision-making process like? And how did you get actually to the tipping point, decide to go all in? Interesting. Um, first of all, I was brought up in an environment, my family, where my dad um, was always in business. So I watched him, learned a lot from him. But I did know what I, one of the things that I learned was cash flow is king. That was one of my number one lessons. Cash flow is king, right? Um, and so whenever I wanted to get into, I knew I always wanted to get into business, but realized that it cannot do that unless I am able to figure out how to manage cash flow. Going forward, so I worked, um, I obviously got my degrees in, 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 I was a physicist to begin with, then got into engineering. But my brain was always an engineering brain because I always wanted to solve problems. And my first problem ended up in a, dis I mean, a failure, which was uh, at the age of, I think, 11, when I actually took my father's wristwatch, which was running slow, I took it apart and I thought I'll fix it, <laughs> but I forgot how, how I took it apart and I forgot how to put it back together. So <laughs> absolute failure, but my dad did not get mad at me. He just said, you know what, not to worry, you figure out a way, right? I could not, but again, he said, that's okay. Just a failure, you try, right? Yeah. I had not taken his permission for it. So I'm like, oh, I have this watch now, right? Um, but going forward, fast forwarding, I always found opportunities. Whenever there is something that is not working well, I would like jump in and do it, fix it, find a solution for it, which sometimes gets me in trouble. But most times I'm able to make, I realize that I'm able to actually 
make other people's life better. And that's why the you know handyman comes comes in. Anything, something breaks at my friend's place, they call me and say, hey, what do you think I should do? And I'm like, nowadays I'm Googling it, trying to figure out how to do it, finding better ways to do it too. Fast forwarding now, when when I when I started working for you know multinational corporations, the same thing. We're trying to find problems and solving them rather than just waiting and waiting. And then over time, I realized that I did not, I no longer wanted to be a part of the multinational corporation as in the standard, you know, corporate world, because there are restrictions that you come into. There are some things you just cannot do. It's just hard because you have to convince so many people and it's not our agenda. It's not our, you know, there's budget and all those things, right? That's when I realized I really needed to go all, all by myself. And I did not want to do it just by myself because again, Cash flow is king. So how mm -hmm. do you do that? And so I figured out in early 2000 that uh, franchise, franchise was a really good way to do this because now I actually have, number one, it's a proven successful formula, right? Unless I'm the franchise number one, in which case I'm taking a risk, but I, I still have a validation of somebody who has already been running the exact same business. They're going to tell me what works, what does not work, and mm -hmm. then go grow from there. And that was my entry into the franchise world. Which franchise, I, can I ask you, what franchise did you buy? Yeah, at that point, the, my first franchise was with Regus Corporation. And mm -hmm. they had this, you know, kind of a personal health uh, brands. They're the owner of Supercuts. Mm -hmm. And so they were pushing more uh, brand new uh, initiative, which was interesting enough for me. I'm like, awesome. I had zero understanding of that business, just so you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. But they taught me. They, there were so many, so many people I met with. They told me what to do, and better at what not to do. That was the best part about it. I looked at their cash flow and said, "Well, is this something I want to do? And if I want to reach where I want to reach, how many do I need to?" So scaling, right? Mm -hmm. The best part about franchise is you can scale by adding multiple, and actually, by through economy of scale, you can actually be more successful. Than otherwise. Very nice. And as, as I was working through that, I also came across Massage Envy, where I actually built locations as well for that. But throughout these things, what I realized was that it is, although the solutions were there, I realized there is still a few problems that needed to be solved. And one of them happened to be how do you manage operations across multiple locations? And mm. it is not just about having one in Sunnyvale, one in Mountain, one in Los Gatos. It just came down to one in Florida and 9,900 in, in the rest of the you know cities globally, not just here. Right. And that's where I realized there's a problem that needs to be solved. Why? Because it was important for me as a small you know, three, four, five unit owner, but also for the franchisor who are actually equally concerned about how do you maintain that, you know, few thousand locations in a uniform fashion. Mm -hmm. And it was a problem because end of the day, every location needs to dole out the exact same offering, it's the exact same way. The customer experience needs to be exactly the same, which comes down to operations. How do you make sure your operations are correct? Operations mean even the front desk staff, do they know what they're doing? The service staff, are they really knowledgeable about everything? That includes you know, whether you're making a burger, it still needs to taste the exact same way, or whether you're giving a, a, a spa treatment, still needs to feel exactly the same. And that's how it should be. So that's when I realized there's a, there's a solution that needs to, that needs to be done 
So you can actually make sure that as a franchisee, franchisor, a multi-unit owner, or a thousand unit kind of manager, you need to make sure everything is done appropriately. And is so- this, So this is when you decide to launch your company, for Focus 451? Yes, that was my second or third startup, I would say, third okay. startup. And I realized that there is a there's a there's an actually a, an opportunity. And why not just do it? Because I come from a technology background. I work for good companies. I know how to develop product. I know how to deploy products. Why not do it? And obviously, this wasn't a single you know kind of thing. I had to. I worked with my team. I worked with other franchisees. Get their honest feedback. Thinking, is this something will be useful? I had the opportunity to talk to some top level management and kind of say, does it make sense or not? So had all the good customers right around me. So that actually was a super useful position. Did you, Mandara, did you jump in? Did you transition in? Uh, did you keep your job at Corporate American, kind of kind of keep, you know, build it on the side? How did you do this? Uh, so getting into franchise was a jump. And there's a classic reason for that. It, it's like focus, right? One of my mentors, close friend of mine, he said, it all, it all comes down to focus. If you, if you have a corporate America job, it is you're already spending 50 to 60 hours a week there. And pretty much most of your, what I call is uh, productive time is utilized there, which is perfect and productive brain, right? Mm -hmm. What is left is what you're trying to do to these other things. And that's never going to work if you want to be successful. It'll work if you just want a kind of a small activity, right? All the people have done it. I have interviewed people and talked to people who have, kept that job and run like five, six locations too. So it is not impossible, but my mentality is I need to focus and see mm -hmm. how to take it further. First year is always that, you know, inflection, you're going through those changes, learning about everything and you need to know everything about it. That's why I just said, I'll just jump out, mm -hmm. right? It worked like a charm because now I had to really, it's like, you know, jumping in a pool. I'm like, man, if I don't <laughs> swim, I'm going to drown, right? You're all in, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm all in, in that regard. Very good. Well, looking back, okay, uh, you've been in business for when? When, in fact, when? Did, when? How long ago was it when you first when bought your first franchise? Two thousand five. All right, two thousand five, right before the crash. Okay. Yeah. Um, looking back, so that's you got some. What's that? Seventeen years now behind you. Is there um, anything that you would say that you would uh, do differently? Some yes, some no. One thing I would do differently is, is making sure that I'm recruiting the right people when I'm recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say I recruited the wrong people at all. But when you're recruiting, you start with who's going to take me from zero to one and who's going to take me from one to five, okay? Mm -hmm. I didn't think that through. As in the person... People we recruited zero to one, and these are I'm talking about leadership people. So zero to one was actually worked very well, but I was a little pleasantly surprised thinking who's going to take from one to five, right? And those are not the same personalities, right? Those are not. And so I learned that through hard lessons, thinking, oh wait a minute, what is missing here, right? It wasn't the wrong people; it was just me not having the right strategy and giving them the right resources. I learned that very quickly, as in you need to do that. And that is number one. Do I do it? How do I do it differently? Well, I've realized that you need to create a team of leaders. It's not just about a leader. 
So, and that's yeah. very much important. I love that. I love that answer, by the way. Uh, so many people get into, whether it's a franchise or not, get into business and make that first hire. Uh, but they don't really add that mathematical approach to this. I, and I know it's not really mathematical, but I love the analogy. Uh, I just want to get a born body hire and I, I'm going to manage that person. And But I don't think about who's going to take me, help me take this business to a five. And uh, and uh, so great, great, great thoughts. Great, uh, great learning. Thank you. On the flip side of that, and you've made something you're obviously very successful. Is there any key one or two decisions that you made uh, that you would say really uh, propelled you to success? Yes, again, it comes down to the exact same thing. Really? Finding the right people. It is, it, is, it is interesting. It's all about people around you because they are the one who is doing it, right? So when I was a franchisee, I was watching franchises around me um, who were trying to do everything. And I realized that I can, I can unclog the toilet. That's easy, right? But I have my own limitation in doing what I needed to do, right? Mm -hmm. And I always relied on the right people to do the right things, which means I needed to hire the right people to do the right things, right? I mean, I cannot sell memberships and also manage the business. So working on the business versus working for the business, right? That's what it comes down to. And so when I was looking at my second franchise, that's the first thing I looked at. And even in the first time I was looking, it was on the back of my mind that I'm not going to be able to spend time across the board at every 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 location, which means I need to hire the right people who I can trust and let them deal with what they are strong at and fill in the gaps on the other things, either by myself or someone else. But there are going to be those top three items that only the people at the location and the they can do because I cannot be there every time. Yeah, I'm always going to be there to give them the support, which means the encouragement and resources. Well, you know, it's such a good thing to recognize early because so many owners are getting their own way. Uh, only they can do the job. But, but I hear over and over again by successful owners like yourself, once they fired themselves, <laughs> uh, they got out of the way, their business grew. And uh, yeah. but you got, when you find that out or when you determine that, so it's always better earlier, but a lot of times yeah. it takes us a little bit longer. Yeah, Let's that's little... actually has a story to that too. Can I share a quick story? Oh, yeah, yeah, please do. Please so do. Um, after I started a, a year and a half later, another franchise started and he and I met for coffee and he's like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not seeing revenue. I'm like, okay, show me a membership. Okay, he showed me the membership. I said, then show me who's doing what, as in how many, who is closing memberships, right? And guess who was on the on the bottom list? The yeah. owner himself. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing selling membership? You don't know how to sell memberships. He goes, yeah, but I get to learn. I'm like, yes, you need to know the process. But if you're not good at it, fire yourself first. And you use the keyword. That's why actually I remember that story. Fire yourself. Like, what do you mean? Shouldn't I be there in front of customers? I said, yes and no. You need to be there for the customers to make sure that they're coming in. Give them a pleasant face. Don't go hide in your office. But recruit the right people to do the right job. You may not be the person that should be selling membership. Just go unclog the damn toilet so they can, you know, the real people can do it, right? I love and it. once it clicked into him, it, it got him started like that. So yeah. thanks for allowing me to share that story. Yeah, yeah. Great story and a great example. All right, let's take a little commercial break. Focus 451, here you are today, 2022. Uh, tell us about who your customer is 
and uh, you know, you know, maybe zero in on really uh, your your secret sauce to the extent you want to share uh, for our listeners. Thank you. So when I say focus for five one, um, we have a platform called Compliancer, which helps you keep your operational compliance in place. And the keyword is operational compliance. So it leads to operational excellence. Why excellence? Because when you have, as a franchisor, a thousand plus locations, you want to make sure they're all operationally compliant, and that's what you keep keep in excellence health. If you might, if I'm going to say that right, mm-hmm. we actually designed a pattern. Uh, we have patent pending, so you can look it up what those patents are actually at this point. Um, and those are designed because as a franchisor, you can do only so much when you're telling your franchisee and their employees what to do. Otherwise, you get into certain legal exposure, such as joint employment exposure. There's also privacy risk. But you still want to be able to tell that salesperson or the service person, how they need to do what they need to do. And that's the basic operational sauce for any franchise, right? That, that's this, that's mm-hmm. I shouldn't call it secret, but that is their main value proposition. How do you operate? So sending that message down and keeping everybody on that, that's what our platform is about. And we created with this very clever technology where it shields Actually, it shields the franchises from getting those exposures. And that's yeah. where we are at. And our typical client is a franchisor. We only sell to franchises in that regard, who are actually in the growth mode. And obviously, depending on the type of franchise, you can say, well, I'm in growth mode at all times. Yeah, you are. But what happens is when you are growing from zero to 100, you're focused only on growth. And you're like, you know, I'll take some, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this and that. But when you are at a healthy four to 500 and above, now you're talking about how do I make this? It's a chaos at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's not paper-based. You cannot do audits. I mean, even if you do audit, it's 90 day audit. What happens in 89 days? Mm-hmm. And something goes wrong during those 89 days. On the 91st day, you're, you figure it out and there's nothing you can do about it. You cannot go back. So it's all doing this in real time, actually, to make sure everything is in sync. And, and it's so important. I mean, you mentioned something like uh, joint employment. I know in the franchise world, there's some big conversations on, on the West Coast where you're from, which yeah. is in, initiating this conversation, mm-hmm. which could which could change the landscaping of franchising in general. Yep, you know? yep. It has always been there. I mean, the big brands have always been worried about it, but they still need to tell the service people. I mean, who who is their customer advocate? that yeah. one individual who is talking to the client. And if yeah. he or she is not, does not know, or they do not know how to do what they're supposed to do, what does it happen? And this always that about, I'll train a franchisee, let him do it. Well, franchisee is just franchisee, right? He's a business owner. He, he's, he's looking at return on investment, right? Yeah. The real operations are by the individuals at that location. Yeah. What a great service. And I think our time is now. I mean, uh, uh, for sure, compliance is a tough word today, and there yep. so, a lot of people are, you know, have a lot of components that are business and need compliance. Yeah. And so you've you've actually, can I say, if you automated that, is that is that the right? Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Fully, one hundred percent automation. Because uh, what happens is, I mean, even in today's world, if you look around, you talk to any franchise when they want to send some new protocol. Okay. It's like okay, so you send an email. Well, did anybody read it? 
right? You, you give them training. Okay, fine. And then three months later, has the training been done? Because it's sometimes in the retail world is a revolving door, right? There are people coming in, going out. How do you make sure they're doing it 100% of the time? Mm-hmm. And, and as one of my mentors has said, right? I mean, if you want to make practice makes it permanent, right? Mm-hmm. Not just about perfect, it's about permanency and the, the practice. So how do you repeatedly do these things? And it's hard. It's not as easy as you think it is. You cannot get these you know, 60 employees from a location at the same room at the same time. It doesn't work when you're open 88 hours a week, right? Well, I think of uh, companies that have a lot of employees, even single brands that have a lot of employees, a little unskilled. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, if you think about even enterprises, there is a you know, major pharmacy chain that had a compliance issue um, because one of the credentials of their pharmacist had expired. 17 mm-hmm. years back. So they found in 17 years later, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think it would, it, would, it, would, it would have been done, but people tend to confuse the human resource compliance with operational compliance, two independent things, completely mm-hmm. two independent. And so we focus on that operational compliance. Mm-hmm. Some of those are legal, others are just pure base for the company. That's yeah. the tool we did and do it automatically. So you no longer have to kind of send people out to check on them. People are not exposed to the PII, which is a big deal. I mean, if you look at any right. any state nowadays, they're talking about privacy. So why are you encroaching on the individual's privacy? All you want them to do is be trained, know everything about your business. Yeah, and I, I like the word, you've used the word compliance, I understand, but we talked earlier before the show, and I want to make, emphasize it. It's operational excellence. And, and that's really... Compliance falls underneath that. But if you really want to be an operationally excellent company, you need to definitely be in compliance, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. I like that word that you used. I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit. Um, you're an owner. You've been, you know, obviously, you've been in business you know, since I think it was 2000, so a long time ago. Um, you've faced a couple of the Great Recession. You faced that. And uh we got this uh, headwind today that I had never seen in my lifetime. I'm 68. We have so many things on the table at the same time. It's not just a recession. It's labor shortage, supply chain, you know, uh, pandemic, wars, you know, recession. So the question is twofold. One is, how are you perceiving this? How are you dealing with these headwinds? Is, are you, is this a time to retreat, invest, you see opportunity? Uh, fear, you know, how are you dealing with that as a company? And then you as an individual CEO of your company, how are you staying? I'm going to use the word focus. How are you staying focused uh, to help you navigate through this uh, this crazy time? Well, we are always going to go through these crazy times. I mean, if you've seen, I mean, you just talked about your age. I'm not going to go into my age, but we have all seen things that go up and down. Um. And you also mentioned 2005, and then we saw some of the dip coming afterwards too. Yeah. So these things bring out opportunities. That's how I look at it. Every every event, every system, every economic shock brings out an event. And it is our job to identify what those opportunities are. If you don't do that, we stay in fear, then you're not doing the right justice because we will go through this. I mean, 10 years down the road, we might still be talking like something else has happened. Not in my control, but what are the opportunities? So some of the opportunities that we saw, I mean, I have observed even during during my franchise days and non-franchise days were very, very, very clear cut. It was much easier to find a good competent labor when we went through recession. 
mm-hmm. right? When we were doing really well economically as a company, uh, as a country, sorry, um, it is harder to find good people, right? Because nobody's applying. So there's an opportunity right there. Invest mm-hmm. in your people. And I've always said, if you don't have good people, the company is not going to go anywhere. You mm-hmm. alone cannot do that, right? It brings out partnership opportunities too, right? Everybody, everywhere I see that, people say, oh, I have this product and it's fantastic. I'm like, no one cares about product unless someone else really believes in it, mm-hmm. as in it is going to add value to that. I'm a believer of this Japanese principle of ikigai, where whenever you're building something, you may be competent at it, it might get you money, but if it is not fulfilling a kind of a need for the society as a whole, then it cannot be a long sustaining thing, right? Mm. And so that's what you look at. What is opportunity? And if you have already identified such an opportunity, you're going to be, you, you'll, <clears throat> you'll be sustainable longer term. And we, even as Focus for Five, and I've sustained through this last two, two years of a fever. What do you do? I mean, nobody is going to talk to you if the businesses are shut down, right? What operational right. compliance? What operational excellency? I got no operations. Right, right. right. That's perfectly fine, right? And that's See? what I look at. It. These are strong opportunities. But it also means it's a learning lesson where <clears throat> in order for you to weather out such storms, you need to plan. And this is again, cash flow is king, right? Sometimes it comes to cash. Sometimes it comes down to how do you plan so you can weather out these storms. And a lot of people I've seen have weathered out. Weak ones have not. And that's that's just life. It's not as an individual, but as a business too, right? Yeah, I always say, uh, especially coming out of 2008, it's easier to say that the strong survived and thrived, and the weak, unfortunately, went away. And uh, <laughs> so if you had a little bit of planning of what that really means, okay, if you, you know, if you have cash as king, if you had cash yeah. put aside to, because you've planned, because you know that, like you said, it's today or 10 years from today, we're yeah. going to be having the same conversation of some type of headwind. Correct. Uh, if we don't learn from that, you know, I've been through a few of them now, so I should be a little bit smarter than I was the first one to hit. Correct. Uh, but then you can take advantage of it. That's correct. In fact, you just said something very interesting that's uh, in near and dear to me. You said headwinds. We mm. think headwinds is a bad thing. But if you look at, and me being a pilot, right, I've been, yeah. headwinds are good. Because when you look at a runway, uh, the way the runway is constructed, it is always in the direction of the wind. You take off in the headwinds, not in the tailwind, because headwind gives you the flight. Oh, yeah, tailwind gives you the speed, but headwind gives the flight. And you, your first job as a pilot is to take off. Then you talk about speed. Okay, less speed is okay, but yeah. if, you, if you don't have headwinds, you cannot take off. Thanks I mean, for sharing that. Aero principle. I, I didn't make it up. It's just the way physics works. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. What a, what a change in mindset, you know, that as a pilot, you're looking for headwinds. It's an opportunity. Yes. I guess for I guess for someone on a sailboat, they're looking for winds because it propels the boat. Yes. Uh, uh, that's actually very motivational for, for me and hopefully, hopefully for our listeners. I get more out of these shows than maybe our listeners do. But uh, thank you for that analogy. I, I'm not a pilot, so I get that. Um, what do you do for yourself, though? Okay, so you got good business acumen, and, and how are you staying focused uh, to get you out of bed every morning and, uh, you know, get back at it? I, I, it's, I, I never had trouble getting up in the morning, as in, you know, Jen, 
I get up, I'm like, awesome, another day. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine. We were walking around. We walked, you know, hour and a half. And I, I earlier this week, I said, happy Monday. And he says, what's good about Monday? Mondays are not happy. I'm like, hey, I, I don't even think it's a Sunday. It's great. Monday is fantastic. Tuesday is thundering. Every day is great because I wake up with the thought that what problem can I solve today? And I mean, mm. it's sincerely, this is not just a way of saying this. Yes, there are some days you wake up with a headache, but just take an extra drink and move on sometimes or do some exercise or whatever works for you, obviously. Um, do yoga if that's what works for you, whatever it is. So what keeps me going are, are one of the things that, that stick it to me, the family, right? Friends and family. I'm an introvert in one many, many ways, but mm -hmm. friends and family give me that energy. So spending time with them and I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. Let's move on. Finance. We can always earn money. It should never be your worry when you get up in the morning, which means it requires planning, but it also requires you to understand that there is not enough money. So you can never think about, you know, money being the primary factor in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work for a guy who says, thank God it's Monday. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I go, really? Where does that come from? Because I love going to work and thank yeah. God it's Monday. So I love that. I used to say that when I had massage envy, yeah. you know, I would go and eat in the morning, um, talk to my managers and I'm like, I have the best job in the world. I come, I drop my kids to school. I had like 30 minutes of chit chat with them while driving to work. And I'm coming here with a calming, soothing music. I mean, mm. which workplace has that, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. awesome. And people who are visiting us, going out are generally happy people. They have had yeah. their spa, massage, facial. I'm like, awesome, right? Of course, when, once in a while things, things go wrong. I'm like, don't worry, we got it. We'll take care of you. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice business to be in and yeah. uh, very good. Well, thank you, uh, Mandar. Before we hang up or this uh, end the show, uh, let people know what's the best way to get a hold of you. Uh, should they feel that your services would be a benefit? Best way is email, obviously. Reach out to me on my LinkedIn profile if that helps. I'm okay. happy to accept anything. And anybody, generally, as long as it's relevant, I always accept it. Um, another way to reach out to me is via my email, which is very simple. If you know my first name, it's mandar.dange at focus451.com. Very good. And we will put that information in the notes in the podcast, uh, which will be uh, on all podcast platforms in about, I'd say, about around three weeks. Um, but Mandar, I really, really uh, appreciate uh, you taking time on your busy day. I know our listeners love uh, getting a chance to hear your wisdom, hear your story, and I'm forever grateful for you doing that. So it's been a wonderful show, and I wish you the best. Thank you, Rich. It is a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you asking all the questions and allowing me to actually express myself. Very good. You have a great day. Thank you, and you too. Rich LeBron here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you are a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show, include the hashtag, get it done entrepreneurs. 
I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time.